smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish! Must be the opening goal. Benedetto! And Bagnon! Fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Benyera, beautifully done, sensational. Coming up on Le Bourgeois, Paris Saint-Germain stutter again as the title race hots up in France. Lyon, Marseille, Monaco and Montpellier all win, but it's tense. Down in Nice where Patrick Vieira is under pressure after a fourth straight loss, this time at home to bottom side. Dijon, welcome to the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in association with BT Sport. I'm delighted to say it's sunny again in Paris and we've got a full house inside Robbie Thompson's appartement. How are you, Robbie? I'm very well, thank you, Matt. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Always very welcoming here. And uh, I I just want to say, because we will talk a little bit about Diego Maradona today, and Robbie's got this uh, fantastic fresque, this mural with with the Argentine colours, the colours of the flag and the sun in the middle. Absolutely. That wasn't... For Diego, that was already up, wasn't it? It was already here, but it was in some ways a, a reference and a tribute to the great man and Argentinian football. We know Robbie is a is a great fan of great number 10s and there probably have been no greater than Diego himself. Armel Tangi, not a bad number 10. More of a six though, Armel, aren't you? Yeah, play for number eight on the back though. But thanks. They've been compared to Maradona early in the morning. It's a nice start. Is that because you lack a bit of pace these days? You're also, moving backwards? Yeah, yeah. But I don't Central have... defence soon, Armel. Oh, steady. <laughs> David Crossan, facial hair. I'm just trying to think what, what comparisons I can make with Diego. Uh, 1978 World Cup. That well, looks I, I about like half the Argentine squad. I wasn't alive then. No, I, I'm, I'm doing all right, Matt. Thanks for asking. I'm just a bit disappointed that my idea of turning today into a rap battle in tribute to Memphis Depay releasing his album this week wasn't one that got past the censors. Well, listen, we are preparing a, a music special, a Le Bourgeois music special, because there have been some fantastic songs um, that have been produced through the years. Of course, Chris Waddle and Basil Bolly will will feature in that, as well as Memphis Depay. But we're going to be focusing on the football. Just before we look uh, back at the round 12 action, I think it's important to state that Diego Maradona obviously touched people all around the world, and France was uh, was very much uh, suffering with the rest of the world. And uh, Liga went all out with the tributes at, at the weekend. We had... Uh, um, a minute's silence before each game with the players lining up in in an M formation. Um, Leon had special shirts with ten, 10 Diego Maradona printed onto them. There were fantastic uh, tifos at the Parc des Princes and at the Velodrome. Dario Benedetto, Marseille's Argentine striker, paid a special tribute when he scored his penalty, um, going to the cameras and pointing at the at the tifo. Um, Robbie, uh, PSG had those... T-shirts as well, un- under their strips, uh, Adios El Diez. And you're wearing a beautiful Diego uh, I'm wearing t-shirt. the T-shirt that the PSG squad had on before kickoff. I had to wear one as well during my pre-match uh, presentation. And we interviewed Gabi Calderon, who was a former Paris Saint-Germain player between 87 and 1990. He played in the World Cup final in 1990. Also played in the Under-20 World Cup in Japan, won by him and Diego in 1979. So that was a... A nice chat with him. And you do just measure. I also interviewed Di Maria and Paredes last week as well. And you do measure just how, I mean, we've seen the videos, but when you talk to these guys, just how important Diego was to them, it's, it's, it's incredible. More yeah. than any other footballer in any other country, I would say. I think yeah. even more than, he means more to Argentinians than Pele does to Brazilians, I think, as a, on a human level, as someone that, that yeah, touched these think, people. I don't think there's any doubt. And I think like you say, unless you're an Argentine or unless you're a, a Napoli fan, because what he did, um, obviously Argentina is a huge country. Napoli is a, is a town, but with a massive footballing culture. And yeah, the, the happiness and the passion and uh, what he brought to those places, absolutely phenomenal. We're going to stay um, at the Parc des Princes. We're going to start with Paris Saint-Germain's game against Bordeaux. It was a chilly Parc des Princes, by all accounts, Armel. Um, before you complain about the cold, let's hear your commentary from Paris Saint-Germain against Bordeaux. Just over nine minutes into the encounter. Ben Arfa's delivery. Magic front post. It's made its way in. And it's more than an encouraging start for Bordeaux. They've taken the lead here thanks to Josh Madger's third Liga goal of the season. Great movement from Bordeaux's number nine to get ahead of Pembele. In fact, it's an own goal, isn't it? From the teenager on his professional debut. 
Ben Arthur taking his time to find the right pass and given away poorly by Ben Arthur who tried to rugby tackle Neymar. In on goal here, Neymar. Was he caught? Referee says no. Referee says the Bordeaux man got the ball. We'll see that one again. Let's have a look then. Neymar, was he caught? He was. The penalty's given. Paris Saint-Germain with a lifeline. The jittery run up. And the finish, calm as you like, past Benoit Costil. And it's one all here at the Parc des Princes. They might just be a little wary that it'll get to PSG flowing. Neymar strikes a goal, another save from Costil. And it has indeed opened the floodgates for Paris Saint-Germain. Moise Keane follows up the Neymar shot. And it's a quick one-two. Remy Oudin for Hatton Ben Arthur. Oudin leaves it for Adley, what a strike! Oh, the Parisian back home, beating Sergio Rico to get Bordeaux back on level terms. Armel, it's been a, a tough week for Paris Saint-Germain, beaten uh, by Monaco um, in their previous Ligue 1 game. They got the win against Leipzig, but uh, a very difficult win, win, a defensive, disjointed performance. And then against Bordeaux, 2-1 up, but pegged back by one of their former players, Yassin Adli, who scored a, a super equaliser. Um did PSG deserve more, or, or is that is that a fair result? I think it was a fair result, really. I think both teams uh, created a lot of chances. Um, I was sort of siding with Thomas Tuchel after the the Champions League performance. That you know they got the win. That's all they were out for. It happens. Clubs to have bad games. You don't need to analyse and say it's the end of the world but I mean when they follow it up with a two-all draw at home against Bordeaux you do start asking yourself questions I think they they faced 16 shots um, again that's three home games in a row where they've let teams have 16 shots at goal which is quite incredible really when you consider the the defensive talent they have in those ranks and they had Marco Verratti back this week um, it was one of the worst Parisian performances I've seen for a very long time and they were lucky that Nicolas de Preville isn't a more clinical forward or they'd have lost it later on. Yeah, because 16 shots on goal from, from Bordeaux and this is a Bordeaux side that we've been pretty harsh with this season because their their inability to create chances. Robbie, PSG had had players out. We saw the young Pembele making his, his first start, scored an own goal, which is not an ideal way uh, to start. Is, is Armel um, being harsh when he says that's the worst PSG performance he's seen in a long time? I don't know. If, if he thinks it's the worst one he's seen in a long time, then then that's fair enough. My, my reading of the situation is that Paris Saint-Germain could have been up by more in the first half. There was the own goal, but that was really the only real Bordeaux chance in the opening 45 minutes. And then in, in, in the second half, Paris Saint-Germain are just running out of legs. That's not the only excuse, though. They seem to turn off mentally. The coach said it after the game as well. That when I mean, if you don't have the legs, then you have to be smarter. And I think that's what Paris Saint-Germain weren't. You could see the team was was cut in two, if you like. There were players defending, others attacking. There was no there was no midfield, despite the presence of Marco Verratti. Credit to Bordeaux, though. They took their chances. But I mean, it could again. Paris could have had a, a third goal or a fourth goal before before Bordeaux really came back into it and could have won it in the end, absolutely, with, with Depravel. Yeah, but Rob, it's feeling like a broken record. PSG could have done this. They could have done this. What you said against Monaco, they could have gone three up. They could have... But, but they're not. No, exactly. So that's why they're dropping points. And they, fi- they finished the game with Icardi, Di Maria, Mbappe and Neymar all on the pitch and nothing. And I want to say, you know, I just want to ask as well about, you know, the lack of fresh legs. Uh, you know, Verratti, okay, he's feeling his way back. But you could hardly say, you know, Paredes and, and Rafinha, they've not played that much football have they well between injuries and international duty for for leandro yes and when you're injured you can't you're not playing i mean i think that's fairly well understood so it's rest that's what you're trying to say should be fresh okay so icardi and verati who haven't played for two months have been well rested is that what we're saying and should be should be fully fit okay no, it's not robbie no one's saying it's easy psg are playing a ridiculous no, I'm number curious. of games it's a they interesting no pre- analysis of the situation though to think that injured players should come back stronger than than before well speaking of analyzing the situation i listened to thomas tuchel on saturday night after the game and it was very different the way he assessed his team's performance the way he has in the previous matches mm. where he was criticizing the lack of effort and the lack of effort is nothing to do with freshness or having been injured. You've just got to run. And the, th- those players were barely walking back towards, vaguely towards their own goal as they got cut in two time and time again in the second half. And 
that's just not acceptable. You deserve to be challenged for the title if you're not going to put the effort in. We'll talk about Bordeaux, but this is a huge week uh, for PSG. They got the three points against Leipzig, but it's still a very delicate situation, isn't it, in in, in their group. Um, really, they need to win at Old Trafford. A draw would um, possibly take things out of their hands because we know they're fighting with Leipzig and, and United. They've already uh, lost to, to Manchester United. Um, Armel, it's all set, isn't it, for, for Cavani to... To hammer the nail in Tuchel's coffin. Took the words out of my mouth. Isn't it Di Maria? Nail get one back on Manchester United or Ander Herrera well, I mean, last against time his Di former Maria club? Went... No, there's only one former club player here. Yeah, okay. yeah. No, but last time Di Maria went to Old Trafford, he ended up in the uh, advertising boards because he's so Before he set feeble. up two goals. Yeah, yeah, before he set up two goals, yeah. <laughs> um, no, uh, PSG deserved it on that occasion and we, we hope that they'll perform again a similar way uh, this week, but it's, it's not looking good. Their, their last performances, their last three performances, as we've said, have just been well below par and they're facing a team who, who are on top form at home in the Champions League. So we just cross our fingers for, for Robbie. Dave, uh, Kylian Mbappe. Yeah, I feel I feel like we've been quite rude. We've come to Robbie's flat. We've accepted his coffee. <laughs> it's it's and nothing we've been quite new, harsh on, It's on nothing new. Absolutely but, not. But Dave, Kylian, Kylian Mbappe, I'm going to continue to, 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 to pile in the punches. Um, eight Champions League games without a goal for Mbappe. He hasn't scored this calendar year in the Champions League. He's set up a lot of goals in that time though, hasn't he? I'm not sure anyone's set up any more goals. I'd have to check that stat. Oh, you've taken the wind out of my sails there. No, fair enough. But, you know, he's he's the big man. He needs to... He needs to produce. Neymar needs to produce. We say that before every big Champions League game. Um, of course, PSG will have to play well to ensure that Neymar and Mbappe get the ball in the right conditions, etc. But they need to do the job. Yeah, and the Mbappe that we saw against Bordeaux reminded me of early career Mbappe, where he needed a lot of chances. And he was unlucky with the one that hit the post, but otherwise it was wasteful finishing, really. But... Um, I'll always back Mbappe, I'll always back him to come good when it matters, even if he didn't do it in those matches in Lisbon in terms of scoring goals. But I, I think he's due a good game against Manchester United and he's got the character that after a disappointing match like that, he'll want to show what he can do. He scored at Old Trafford, didn't he, last time? Um, yeah, he PSG got a, got a good result. Dave is still dreaming of Mbappe um, rocking up at Newcastle one day. One man who did rock up at Newcastle and is still quite popular there, Hatem Ben Arfa. Armel, how how influential was he in the match? I know he laid on the uh, the equaliser for for Adley. Yep, um, he was very quiet in the first half, um, as Robbie correctly said. PSG were on top in the in the first half, but uh, yeah, Ben Alpha was quiet in the first half. In the second half, as uh, as the Parisians started to uh, one by one disappear from the football match, Ben Alpha found more and more space. It was quite funny actually because he was. Obviously, when PSG were applying pressure with their attacking talent, Bordeaux were putting everyone back, including the centre-forward a lot of the time. So, Madger, I can't remember who replaced him in the second half right now, but Ben Arthur was just camping on the halfway line, hoping for the ball to come to him each time. And it pretty much did for the second goal. Um, We saw glimpses of his talent, but he wasn't quite as... uh, as involved and as uh, as important to Bordeaux's ninety minutes at, at the Parc des Princes as perhaps the the papers would have would have liked after his performance in Rennes. The, the... No, at least he's being used in the right position now, like he was at Rennes the previous week. Because uh, I commentated the Monaco game where he played as a false nine and that didn't work at all. And it almost doesn't matter who you play in front of him. I don't think Madrid or Brion, whoever you play there, is going to score that many goals this season. But as long as Ben Arthur's playing as the second forward, he can get in the pockets of space and make things happen. And he doesn't have to do that much defending when he plays in that position either, which is a, a help. Didn't Jean-Louis Gasset say, basically, I have a game plan for 10 players and I've told everyone they have to run for Hattam and, and give Hattam the ball because he's the one that can make the difference? I mean, it's fairly honest of a coach to say the that The other well. players know that, though. They refer to him yeah, publicly as the magic man, that he can get them out of these situations. And so they're willing to put the effort in for him. And there have definitely been a lot of times in Ben Arthur's career where his teammates have got frustrated with him, perhaps where there's been more talent in the team because he doesn't work hard enough. But in this case, he's there to, to make things happen. And the longer it happens, the better because he, he's great to watch for all of us. Interestingly, uh, coach and teammates alone have said that he's really um, a leader in the in the dressing room and a, a positive influence to to the Bordeaux side this season, which is quite an interesting thing to hear when well, you I think consider we have the a, reputation. A, that but I think that reputation is just by journalists seeing him on the pitch, spit the dummy, or say say silly things. And but 
Newcastle, he had a fantastic reputation among in in the dressing room, and the, his teammates mm, thought yeah. he was a. Uh, I've spoken uh, to a couple of them. No, but, no, uh, but he's, he's in terms of talent. I mean, Danny yeah. Alves. No, but also didn't Danny Alves didn't he nickname him Maradona or Pele or something for what he used to do in training? Mm. Yeah, and as as a boy, he was compared to to Maradona. But it, no, he was difficult, Robbie. I mean, I've uh, speaking to people at Leon when he when when he was uh, coming ah, through that. Leon, he, he was, was very a, difficult. He yeah, was he was he was a young kid. Yeah. No, absolutely. I remember an interview with Chris, the former Brazil defender, who um, was quite funny. He said he loved Hatem. He said, you know, he always came to me for advice in training. And I'd take him to one side. I'd say, listen, try and do this. Pass a bit quicker. Come inside. Do that. And he said, Hatem would be, OK, OK. Thanks, Chris. Thanks a lot. Pat him on the back. And then he'd go and do exactly the opposite. He's like, Hatem, you weren't listening. But uh, anyway, fair play to Bordeaux, who have turned a corner it seems they won 1-0 against Rennes thanks to Ben Arthur now a draw at the Parc des Princes so well done to Jean-Louis Gasset and and his team we're going to move on to the next sort of feature game uh, because it is so tight at the top now PSG dropping more points the top five separated by just two points Lyon are in the mix they were victorious again David Crossan commentated their game against Reims and now Depay chance goal at the second time of asking, Carl Tokoe Kombi converts, and that's him onto five for the season. Gimaresh. Oh, it wrong foots, Rajkovic. And Lyon are 2 0 up. Rans out of luck. Tokoe Kombi. Is this the moment for Dembele? It is. It's his first goal of the season. Dembele and Olympique Lyonnais delighted with that. 3 0. Dave, 3 0 to Lyon. Um, I bumped into you uh, after that game and you said, Lyon for the title, Matt. And uh, Dave's one of these guys, you never quite know if he's being sarcastic or not. David, were you? Only partially. I've written an article on that subject for Ligan.com, which I encourage you all to read, outlining the, the for and against of my argument. Uh, and I, I look back through some statistics and. We remember that team that Lyon had with Mariano Diaz, Memphis Depay and Nabil Fakir, where as a trio, they were scoring loads of goals. They got over 50 goals as a trio this season, that season rather. And I think that Kadawere, Depay and Tokoe Kambi are capable of doing that with Dembele in reserve. So I think they're going to keep scoring goals. They have to get their defence right. I think they're benefiting from not having qualified for Europe because they're fresh. The treatment room is empty and uh, they could afford to leave out Usem Awa for internal disciplinary reasons and it not really show as they played an all-Brazilian midfielder Thiago Mendes, Bruno Guimaraes and Lucas Paqueta who was much better than I've seen him in his previous games for Lyon. Um, so, you know, I like what they did. They were playing against a 10-man Rance who have been not that good this season. So they had taken seven points in three games before losing to Nîmes the previous week. Um, so Rudy Garcia was right. You can't see that as a match reference as the the French like to say something that they have to try and aspire to reach those standards every game but I, I was encouraged by what they said post-match that they're aiming as high as possible Anthony Lopez says you've got to honour the shirt you've got to honour the club and they should be aiming for the top three and be there to take advantage of any slip-ups that Paris Saint-Germain might have this season why not aim yeah even no, they've, they've even PSG in two weeks and I said off air to Robbie that Lyon are going to come to the party of and win in two weeks' time, because PSG are going to be it's always a tough game. By, always a tough game. Uh, well, there's no Champions League. There's, it's usually compared it's, to the teams around them. They're not sidetracked by Europe. They, they've got one focus every week. They're properly prepared, and they're on a really good run now. That's three wins in a row, nine games unbeaten, uh, and they look confident. Yeah, back, back on the map, wouldn't you say? That's that's the Memphis. City. Is that a Memphis Depay? It's a Memphis track? Depay. <laughs> to, yeah, uh, Robbie. Five wins and a draw from from their last six. As Dave says, they're, they're, they're in great form. What I wonder, though, is are they going to have problems with having sort of too many top players and not being able to get them in the 11? Leon don't have European football, so they're only playing once a week. Usam Awar was um, left out at the weekend because he apparently was reluctant to do a warm down on, on, on the pitch in the previous game, having been on the bench all, all, all game, returning from injury. Um you wonder if he's going to sit tight. You wonder if Moussa Dembele is going to continue to sit tight when he's not playing. Yeah, well, it was the, it's been the question right from the start, isn't it? It's why they tried to sell so many players as well during the summer. They knew they didn't have Champions League football. They were bringing some players in. They needed to get rid of others. They loaned out Jeffrey and Adelaide, but uh, not as, as many players as they would have liked to let go. I think they 
two of the ones they wanted to let go were Awa and Dembele. Well, they were yeah. prepared to let go. And and Memphis, I think they were more or less happy to try and hold on to. And I think that was more Barcelona's not, in the end, making the move to really bring him in, push well, hard they couldn't, for that They deal. couldn't finance it. They couldn't get yeah, the, the exactly. Spanish but league I think wouldn't, otherwise, wouldn't sanction them spending the money. He could have gone as well. The 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 situation with Awa is an interesting one, just for people who don't necessarily know, or maybe everyone knows this now, but... The players that only play less than 20, 30 minutes in a match and those on the bench often, as particularly when it's young players, go immediately out after the final whistle and just run up and down the pitch because they haven't played and in their planning and their fitness training, the, the, the fitness staff has a certain amount of, of workload for them to do that day. So at the Parc des Princes, it's always the case. You see both sides, the substitutes at midnight, still doing laps, doing sprints, running up and down the, the pitch at the Parc des Princes when everyone else has gone home. Awa refused to do that by all accounts. He wasn't the only one, but they gave the option to certain players. They didn't give the option to Awa. A couple yeah, of the was, young it kids It was after said, the game against Angers and there were problems exactly. with the pitch. Leon and Awa in particular didn't feel that the, the pitch was good enough quality, so he didn't want to go out and, and train on it given that he was coming back from an injury. Yes, but I mean, it's just running up and down in a straight line. It's just a pure fitness work. And, and if the fitness coach tells you to do it, then in theory, go and do it. But I think the club, hopefully that's the end of the, the story. The club have punished him. Rudy Garcia is not one to be, you know, to keep a bee in his bonnet over this. I think... The player has been punished. He's available again. He'll come back into the side. I don't think it needs to be a problem that gets bigger than this. You could tell from what Garcia said publicly in his pre-match press conference that he wanted Alwar available for that game against Rams. He kept talking about the institution having decided that Alwar had to miss the match, which was him distancing himself from the decision. He'd have preferred a different sanction for sure. You're listening to David Crossan on Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in association with BT Sport. We're going to give you, the listener, an opportunity now to uh, interact with us. It's our Deja Who section. Um, before we give you this week's clue, um, last week's was uh, as follows. I came through the same club where Raphael Varane first made his name. I've played in France and outside France, Spain and Italy. And uh, I'm currently in Spain. I'm a midfielder who's represented two countries at senior international level. Now, if you uh, thought you knew the answer, you could email us or get in touch uh, via Twitter. Several of you did. John Sherwood, who uh, claims to be the only Lance fan in Aberdeen, he got it right. He said it was a straightforward one. Uh, Adam Cyrilnik says this was really difficult, but Adam, of course, got it right. Ryan Yowell, Joe McCall, Liam Wraith and Habib Barr. All correct answers. Geoffrey Condogbia, who uh, shone at Monaco as well as uh, as well as starting out at Lens. Okay, this week's Deja Who. If you think you know the answer, do send in your emails, league1podcast at gmail.com or using the hashtag on Twitter. Le Bourgeois. Sorry, momentary uh, lapse. Uh, so here we go. Deja Who. This week's clue. I was born where you find France's most famous chateau, but swapped the Ile de France for the Côte d'Azur to kickstart my career. I was the fourth youngest player ever to make my Ligue 1 debut when I first stepped into the top flight action in September 2012. After being busy as a bee, I am now flying high by the seaside. This is a tough one, Mr. Producer Ian Holyman. If you think you know the answer, email us, league1podcast at gmail.com or using the hashtag on Twitter, Le Bourgeois. I think uh, Memphis should get Ian writing some of his lyrics for the next album. That, that was lyrical. I like that. Poetic. Yeah, but it doesn't mention the private jets enough. Anyway, we've talked about Memphis. We've talked about Lyon. We're going to talk about Marseille. We're heading down to the Mediterranean coast. Angus Tarode was on hand to commentate Marseille against Nantes on Saturday. And already a chance and it could be a first goal. An unbelievable... Quick fire from their top scorer, Florian Tuva. Fourth goal of the campaign and the ideal start for Marseille after the trials and trauma of midweek. Michael Cuisson's ball into the middle. Oh, fantastic! Dimitri Payet makes it 2-0. His second goal of the season. Penalty kick. Dario Benedetto will come forward to take it. Benedetto then to make it 3-0 to Marseille and does. Another good delivery. Two non-plays. Wait for it and it's through. A deflection on the way. 
Well, the clean sheet is gone for Steve Mandonda. Well, Marseille running out 3-1 victors. Uh, the big names producing, Tovan Payet and uh, Dario Benedetto at last scoring, albeit uh, a penalty, but he put it away. Um, not disappointing. I commentated their game in midweek against Lens. They were pretty disappointing in that, although did get a get a 1-1 draw. Um the question is, guys, Marseille, 13 defeats in a row in the Champions League, and yet here they are, they're winning in Ligue 1 Uber Eats. Um, is the step to the Champions League simply too high? Do they have a complex? Have they just found a formula for, for, for winning matches in France? Because they did it a lot last season to finish second. I'll put the question to Armel Tanguy. Um, I'll give you an answer based on this weekend's game, which is that we're not going to see Nantes in the Champions League for a good few years. And I think it's ideal for Marseille that they get the chance to bounce back against teams that would never be able to compete in the Champions League at the moment. But it is weird and quite unexplainable from a a distance from that dressing room, from the uh, Centre Robert-Louis Dreyfus, their training centre, it's, I, I can't really explain why they're so poor in the Champions League and yet, go, you know, near on they could go top if they, if they win their, their two games in hand. It's, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. But uh, as we say, as, if Tovan Payet and Benedetto are performing, then um, perhaps they can nick a point before dropping out of the Champions League. Uh, Andre Villas-Boas, before the, the game against Porto last week, said, oh, it's not good for the confidence, this win-lose, win-lose, win-lose thing. But it, it just doesn't seem to be affecting them in the league. I, I've watched every minute they've played in the Champions League. I haven't seen every minute of the league and fixtures. And they've been awful. And um, Olympiacos and Porto are not particularly good teams. Uh, and Marseille have just been outplayed in every match. And they've looked sluggish. They've looked short of ideas. They've in every department, they've been outclassed. But in the league, yeah, they know that they can make it happen for them. They know, they know that they can get results. They're doing it. I, maybe, maybe this will help them now that the, the big three attackers have all got on the score sheet because they need them to at least give themselves a chance of qualifying for the Europa League where they made the final a couple of years ago. They've been a bit of a laughing stock because people, you know, they are a high-profile club and people in France have been... Uh, Sort of not, I mean, a lot of people want Marseille to do well. Of course, they do in the Champions League, but 13 defeats in a row. Um, they've been, uh, you know, on the front page of, of, of L'Equipe, making records, setting records for, for the wrong reasons. Do you think, Robbie, that might also be sort of motivating them to say, well, you know, we'll show the rest of France that, that we're not a joke and that we can win football matches? Oh, I think it's, um, it's a real hard one, Matt, because they have a squad that shouldn't be doing so badly in the Champions League. They have players that either have experience or who are very talented young players, or at least who are players that should be able to play at this level and should have some ambition to play at this level. The likes of Sanson, Cuisance, Rangier, they're players. Chalette Tsar, another one. They they are young players who should be able, Florian Tovin, to make a, a, a mark at this level. And then others, like Payet, Mondonda, Gonzalez, Strotman, they're players with enough experience to be able to... to to cover weaknesses at this level as well. So for me, Jordan and Marvi, I mean, they're players that it's, I don't like saying it, but for me, it's mental. They have a mental block. They have a mental problem, perhaps similar to Paris Saint-Germain's inability to get past the court into the quarterfinals for four years when clearly they had a squad that was worthy of going further in the Champions League. Same as this one. And it doesn't, honestly, it doesn't help having front pages of the newspaper saying, here we go again. What a disaster. How embarrassing. La, da, da. The players, they do get this into their head. They know. They come into this tournament. They lose their first one. They lose the second game. Unluckily, a little bit against Olympiacos, perhaps. They didn't necessarily deserve better, but a last-minute goal. But it starts to play on your mind. Then suddenly everyone's saying, but they lost the six before. They lost the, they're on a record. They're on a record run. And they, they do create a complex about the Champions League. And... The fact in Ligue 1, yes, the quality is not the same, obviously, but as Dave said, Porto and Olympiacos are not are not Lyon, Paris Saint-Germain, Monaco, Monaco level, I don't think. And uh, and these sides, it, mentally, in Ligue 1, it's a breath of fresh air. They're back. They don't have this record-losing streak. 
There's not this incredible pressure on them to perform, and they can do it. And I think it's for me, it's clearly mental. The coach, or they, there's no reason why they should be so bad in the Champions League. The, the phrase people have been uh, using to mock Marseille is uh, "à jamais les premiers," which uh, is what the Marseillais uh, proudly proudly say about their Champions League win in in 1993. It means uh, forever the, f- the the first ones, and we we'll, forever we will be the first French club to win the Champions League. And they are "à jamais les premiers" to lose 13 matches in, in the Champions row. League. Yeah, in the old European Cup, Esch, a Luxembourg club, lost 16 in a row. <laughs> That's for the pedants out there. Maybe that'll nice be on to Memphis Depay's next album as well. Well, they might. Marseille might yet get there. Uh, Robbie, well. come on, come on! You're being nice to Marseille today. Um, Marseille, uh, incredibly, they've got 21 points, so they're four points off the top, and they've got two games in hand. I mean, their league record this season from their 10 games: six wins, three draws, one defeat. They are. Um, they're doing. But they very were very well. hard to beat last year as well, didn't they? Have very few. Yeah. They yeah. went for long yeah. runs of few draws, but very few defeats. They lost one game from January to the yeah, exactly. early end yeah. of the season, albeit. But yeah, quick uh, could girl, quick rant um, from uh, Matthew Spiro, who uh, I've been holding back in in recent weeks, but but here I go. That something annoyed me this weekend. Oh, quel bande de chèvres! C'est mon coup de gueule. So Christian Gorkouf, I like him, respect him for what he's done. But sometimes, you know, he's got to lighten up a little bit and he's got to stop. He, you know, it, for some, sometimes I feel he's got that maths teacher, you know, used to be a maths teacher and a bit like Gerard Houllier, former school teachers, you feel a bit like they're talking to you like your kids. And in his press conference, he talked about Diego Maradona, the, um, the legend the legend that, that is Diego Maradona. And he said, listen, um, I think everyone's going a bit over the top. This guy wasn't an example. You have to take into account, you know, the way he led his life, etc." Now, I heard this. I was, you know, in, in mourning, in shock. I just watched the documentary, um, which, which is uh, outstanding, the, the, the recent documentary. On the Napoli years. Yes. Um, and uh, yes, uh, and Christian Gorkouf said, said all this. And I just commentated Nantes against Lance. And I thought, goodness me, you know... The, the, the happiness Diego Maradona brought us through his football, brought us, but especially Argentina and especially the people of Napoli. Um, you know, it, you, you, I don't think you can understate what, what a phenomenal um, footballer and, uh, and person he was. And person he was. And, and yeah. Um, but he's got a point. He doesn't want Randall Colomuyami to run up a coke habit and put on 60 kilos in, in 15 years' time. But Randall Colomuyami... You know, it's 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 you can't compare to Diego Maradona's situation, what he grew up um, from in Argentina, the way he was treated and idolized and became a god from the age of eleven or twelve, the way he you know without any support in Barcelona and then in Napoli was basically taken into certain environments, certain situations, and uh, this is a pod for another day. But Randall Randall Colomani is a good player, by the way. I think it's a fair. Uh, Fair point you make, and I think, Armel, you make a good point because Randall Colomwani is a very talented young player, I think, and I hope he has a, a long and, and illustrious career. It's not just the joy that Diego brought us, it's the pain and suffering he brought us that, that is why he was such a fantastic footballer as well. I mean, the English, many English, still can't, obsessed with him mm. and still can't forgive him for, for, for what he did in the, the quarterfinal of the, the World Cup in 86. I saw him play live. And he crossed for Abel Balbo to score against Australia at the Sydney Football Stadium in, in 1993. And, and I hated him for that. I mean, that cost us a place at, at USA 94, uh, uh, along with the return leg in Buenos Aires. And I was a, a Milan fan. I liked Roma. He played for Napoli. He, he, he would cause us all sorts of, of pain and suffering in, in, the, in the league, me watching from the other side. I mean, that's why he was such an incredible player as well, because he... he, he he hurt so much as well. And for Gorkouf, okay, maybe he wasn't an example. I think you have to step back and see what, what he could do on the football pitch. It was incredible. Just a shame he didn't join Marseille in 1989 when it was on the cards that he met Bernard Tappi, who was president at the time, met Michel Hidalgo as well. Um, according to Diego Maradona's interview, which his last interview, I think, published recently in France Football, Marseille had offered to double his salary to get him to join. And I think you can read the full story of how that move didn't quite happen on, on Ligan.com. Our colleague Andy Scott wrote it up really nicely. Just as uh, an aside, we, we interviewed, Robbie interviewed uh, recently Robbie Slater, the uh, Australian uh, midfielder who was a legend for Lance, was absolutely brilliant for Lance. And Robbie Slater um, talked to Robbie about 
about coming up against Diego Maradona. And it was uh, a very interesting meeting. And we can, we can hear what Robbie Slater had to say now about playing against the great Diego. The second season you had Francois Omen Bayek, didn't you? He, he arrived the That's second right. season we in the top Bernard club. Lama, we had Francois Omen Bayek. Uh, what a great man. Yeah. What a great man. Such a beautiful man. Of course, he was, he was very famous, of course, by scoring the opening goal. In, was it Italy? It, Italian 90, yeah, against, against Argentina. Against Argentina, Maradona. Yeah. Which was player. And I remember him speaking of Maradona and how good it was playing against him, Francois. And uh, little did I know that three years later I, I would have my turn to play against the great man in Sydney. But um, I remember saying to Francois that what a dream it must have been to play against the greatest player of all time, or arguably the greatest player of all time. Yeah, I and, agree. Uh, I remember saying to him, I said, I don't think I'll ever be... I actually said to him, I said, mate, Australia... I don't think we'll ever be, get the chance to play against Argentina. <laughs> and it was amazing that the three years later we would. And those two games were massive in Australia in Buenos Aires. Um, and obviously I had uh, a particular famous game in Sydney where Maradona gave me world recognition by saying I should have been playing in Italy. Well, fantastic stuff from, uh, from Robbie Slater, the former Lens and Australia player. Now, moving on, we're going to talk about uh, the game between Nice and Dijon uh, on Sunday afternoon. It was a big game for both clubs. Dijon hadn't won yet this season. Nice uh, were in real trouble following their latest European defeat. Here's uh, what happened um, with uh, with me commentating Nice against Dijon. Dina's still going. He takes the shot. On eventually, it's smashed into the net by Mama Balde. Dijon take the lead here in Nice. Boe's cross, a dangerous one, headed away. Only uh, half headed away. And Ngonda with a beauty. Dijon, incredibly, have doubled their lead and taken Nice perhaps to the brink of a crisis. Oh, Dijon with the chance and the goal. Mama Balde. And Nice absolutely caught cold. They are 3 0 down here. And the storm clouds very much gathering. Penalty to Nice. This game is not over yet. So Amin Guiri steps up and Ratchiopi has let it in. It looked as though he'd made the save. Somehow the ball squirmed under Ratchiopi's body. 3 1. Well, it finished 3 1 to Dijon and. Uh, Thoroughly deserved. The uh, the league's bottom team um, really did equip themselves very well, looked sharper um, and looked stronger than Nice, who 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 were very much beleaguered. Um, they didn't seem to have the legs. Some of the players had played on, on Thursday night against Slavia Prague. They'd lost 3-1 at home there. Um, uh, or 2-1 at home against Slavia Prague? 3-1. 3-1 and 3-1 again against Dijon. So... Um, it's four defeats in a row for Patrick Vieira's team. And Vieira is really coming um, under a lot of scrutiny now. I just watched his, uh, his post-match press conference and uh, journalists asking whether the president still has faith in him. Um, Patrick Vieira is talking um, a good game still. He says, listen, we've been through tough times in each of my three seasons here. We're going through a tough time now um, and we will get through it. Um, but I have to say the players were not responding to him. And I would be a, a little bit worried. Dave, I don't know what you, what you think. We know that Nice invested considerably in the summer um, and, and they do look beleaguered at the moment. Yeah, I know. I say, and I've already said this on the podcast, when Dante got injured, for me, that was the end of Nice's season. It's pretty much the end of Dante's season unless he recovers quickly, which is doubtful considering his advanced years. And he does everything for that club. He touches the ball more often than anyone else. He's their inspiration on the pitch, organises them, talks to the other players. He's their inspiration off the pitch, their spiritual leader. And without him, you're taking away, for me, half of their team. Guiri's doing brilliantly, having joined from Lyon. But without Dante, they're just not the same. They tried Danilo at centre-back against Dijon. He gave away the third goal. He's a converted midfielder. There's no one with the same authority. They've tried Schneiderlin at centre-half. That didn't work. They don't have that same level of experience that Lille have within the squad. And that was always our fear with Nice this season, that the young players would need more guidance. And They've not been helped by the Europa League. They've not been helped by the COVID outbreak that saw the training centre shut for a while. But Dante, for me, is the key. The ACL injury that he suffered has finished them. But 
I get what you're saying. And I, I like Patrick Vieira and I hope he turns it around. But a lot of Nice fans are saying, well, hang on, we've seen all these tactical tweaks. We don't have a playing style. He's been here two and a half years. Enough is enough. And just a, a, a tweet we received from uh, Chris Carpenter, one of our faithful uh, listeners. And Chris says, uh, this might be an obvious question this weekend, but are Vieira and Tuchel skating on thin ice now? I write this as Balde scores the third uh, for Dijon. At Nice, 48 hours removed from another limp and tactically poor PSG home draw against Bordeaux. Uh, guys, we've touched on on Thomas Tuchel, but Robbie, sticking with Patrick Vieira, I mean, he is on thin ice, isn't he? I, I, he's not in the most secure position he, he's been in. I think, and I said this, we spoke about it last week and perhaps the week before as well, this is not the season to be sacking coaches and, and bringing in other people unless really you're, it, things are disastrous and you're not building for the future. Don't forget, Nice have a very, very young squad. I agree with Dave that the absence of Dante is huge. Schneiderlin wasn't there on the weekend either. Or Dolberg or Atal. Exactly. You've got people, Atal was on the bench. These are players with experience and they're not there. You look at the back, Latomba, Nsoki, Pelma. They're they're kids, the three of them. Danilo, who has hardly played this season, comes into the centre of defence. That's not easy. In midfield, Turam and Badawi. Uh, uh, youngsters as well with Pierre Lesmelu up front it's more kids they've got Walter Benitez who's a very talented and experienced player and then Pierre Lesmelu who's who's not necessarily a, a captain and a leader anyway I think he's a very good player and underrated player but look don't expect too much of they're a talented squad of kids I'm and they're missing it, important players I'm hearing it but I think you're all being very nice and, uh, and I'm but pleased I think, you're, I'm pleased. I think people are too obsessed with coaching philosophy the coach's philosophy the coach doesn't have a philosophy give Can me I? a coach that has a side that plays a, a, a real philosophy Christian Gorkuf Nantes where are they yeah okay that's uh, propaganda four, four, two. Olivier but, Daloglio oh there we go now we're okay. talking can, okay. I, can I just read out some European results this season? Bayer Leverkusen 6, Nice 2. Um, Slavia Prague 3, Nice 2. Um, where's the other one? That was a little uh, bit nice, unlucky, that one, nice though, wasn't one, it? Nice 1, Slavia Prague 3. Honestly, I watched them against, at home against Slavia Prague. And, you know, fair play, Slavia Prague looked good. But they were stronger faster, more determined, more organised. You can say what you want. Everybody has got difficulties. Everybody has got injuries. Everybody is having to play game after game. Which is why I don't but think that, this is the season the, for sacking all the coaches. Fair enough. And I, I, I hope Nice stick with him and I hope he turns it around. But both Vieira and Tuchel are in the final year of their contracts. And I don't think PSG are going to get rid of Tuchel before the end of the season. They remember what happened when they did that to Antoine Comboare when they were top at Christmas, brought in Carlo Ancelotti, ended up losing the title to Montpellier in 2012. I can't see Vieira leaving before the end of the season either. Will either of them still be in their position at the start of next season? I've got my doubts. I, w- I was in touch with a, a Nice fan this morning who said to me they, they need a, a Florent Balmore or a serial role. Laurent Blanc's free. Laurent to, free to coach the side? Not, not to coach the side, just, you know, someone to... But their Nice are full of former players all throughout their, their training yeah, ranks. Sure, in the kids' yeah. ranks. Yeah, he, he was saying very much in the team. Bayrou, Varol, they're all there. Emma's Faye is there. It's easy, got... yeah. But he, he was saying very much in, in the team that they just need someone to... I... Like it works with Sable at Saint-Étienne. Eric, Eric Roy is, uh, <laughs> is out of work at the moment. Doing a, bit of, doing a bit of punditry? Yeah, it's punditry. Yeah. I don't know if Eric Roy is necessarily the, 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 the tactical fitness coach guy you need to to be we don't know they need one i think they they just need more experience on the pitch okay i get what you're saying it's not the season to sack a coach but it it can get to a point in football where the players are not playing for a coach and even patrick vieira in his press conference he said now it's all it's a time for unity it's a time for the for me for the president for all the staff for everybody to pull in the same direction and do this he says either that happens or it all disperses and the whole thing falls apart well what are we thinking about julian stefan at Rennes then what, you just totally well, they've just the lost subject. fire four in a row. Well, it's a totally different subject, Rob. Yeah, but it's, it's another coach who's underperforming with this side, underperforming in Europe, the same as Patrick Vieira, has spent a lot more money than Patrick Vieira. Has done Vera, terrific Has things. a very good squad. Okay. Well, no, I, I don't think Patrick <laughs> Vieira has achieved at Nice what Julian Stefan has achieved at, at Rennes. So you buy a certain amount of credit when you win a French Cup, when you get your team in the Champions League. Make a Champions League final, buy a bit of credit. No. <laughs> win, do the quadruple. Come Robbie on. Thompson. Well, <laughs> things differentiate all, all three of those coaches. Vieira was a fantastic player. Julien, 
Stefan has had a fantastic start to his coaching career. Thomas Tuchel wasn't that much of a player, was he? No. What's and oh, but he's won things with Paris, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, we, we're not talking about Thomas Tuchel. We talked about that at the beginning, but um, you know, if you, if you want, we'll do a Thomas Tuchel special next time. But time's running out, guys. Go on, Dave. Yeah, just look at the table though. You, you mentioned at the top of the show, Matt, how condensed it is. Yeah, Nice and Ren both on dodgy runs, but the gaps between them and the top three aren't that huge get a run going then you climb the table quite quickly it's very tight there are what four teams on 23 points or or yeah, something four on at the 23 moment. or nisa on 17 That's, yeah, and a game exactly. in hand. on 19 mm. well so, nisa have a game in hand as yeah. well so it can come back up to 20 against marseille though so they'll lose yep. la vie est belle but i don't think jean-pierre river is, is seeing it along those lines but maybe i'm wrong well i think he has a very very strong relationship with patrick vieira as well and with um the julien fournier who they brought Patrick Vieira in. Well, they had, they, they, then they left had a the relationship club. that was on the brink of collapse when during the takeover. Well, and then when has, they came back, yeah. It has absolutely. apparently now been resolved. Yeah, exactly. But I think that makes it stronger. And mm. I do get the impression that his players like him. Just mm. from having spoken to, to some of them recently, I do, I do think his players like him. Consistency is always the key when you have a very young squad. And that's the, that, that is the biggest thing for Patrick Vieira. And you can't just... Just go from one extreme to the other. You have to be coherent. You have to try and take baby steps when you've got a when you've got a very young team. I know he's been there for two and a half years, and I know Nice fans are upset. I didn't know Nice fans were so so plentiful that they had this huge lobbying voice that uh, seems to seems to be putting pressure on Patrick Vieira. But uh, apparently, it's the case. On a positive, Alexis Truyé came on a nineteen-year-old midfielder. Looked really good. He's, he's another kid who's come he's through come the Ren Brest, Academy, no? Ren, Ren, yeah, and uh, right. joined joined Nice. He looked he looked very good. Another young player, but uh, uh, on a on a sort of darker note, Nice played Bayer Leverkusen next on Thursday. Um, if they want to have a chance of qualifying for the Europa League knockout stages, they need to beat Leverkusen by a better score than six two. Um, so good luck with that. They've probably got a better chance uh, of getting a result against Rouse at the weekend, and uh, it's time to to look ahead. Actually, I'll just give you a. A little update of the other results because there were some some big results, big matches over the weekend. A really good victory again for Monaco. They're on quite a run. They beat Nîmes by three goals to nil. Montpellier uh, also going great guns. They won one nil away to Lorient. So those two are level on points with uh, with Lyon and Lille in that chasing pack. Lille were held one one at Saint Etienne. Les Verts ending a run of seven straight defeats, so uh, a big relief for them. Mets were unbeaten in uh, many games, but they have lost 2-0 um, at the weekend to to Brest. Brest, one of the um, surprise packages, doing really well, as are Angers, 3-1 victors um, for them against Lens. Strasbourg won, Rennes won the other result on Friday, so Rennes still uh, struggling to get the um, the win that Julien Stefan needs. Let's look ahead, as I say, to the um, to the weekend's action. Next weekend, it's time for a bon voyage. So uh, next weekend's matches include Nîmes against Marseille on Friday night, 9pm local time, 8pm in the UK, live on BT Sport. Also live on BT Sport, Rennes-Lens on Saturday the 5th of December. That's at 4 o'clock in the UK. The evening game, Montpellier versus PSG, should be a good one. 8pm uh, in the UK on BT Sport, or you can uh, watch that if you're in France at 9pm. Sunday's games, Lille-Monaco. Um, huge match between two of those sides who are in that joint second position. Um, that's at 1pm in France. Bordeaux versus Brest, 3pm in France. Rouse versus Nice, 5pm. And Metz versus Lyon is the 9pm game. Uh, that's French time, 8pm in the UK on uh, BT Sport if you want to watch some French football, which I would strongly recommend. But uh, we're going to see where the panel wants to go this weekend. Robbie looks like he's chomping at the bit. Um, well, look, obvious one for me, Montpellier. I like Montpellier. I have a soft spot for Montpellier as well. I think they have some fantastic players. I think they're a, they're a great well-run family club who have uh, strong football values. They respect the local community. They have fantastic fans. Um, and I like PSG a lot as well. So I'll be going there. Armel? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's difficult to look past Lille Monaco. That's really the, the standout fixture of the weekend. But I think I might go to the Stade de la Bourgeoise to just um, see how Christian Gourcuff uh, develops his 
distinct brand of football against Strasbourg on, on Sunday afternoon. He does have a distinct brand of football. He does, it's not a joke. 4-4-2, yeah, um, mm. yeah sort of far pressing, fast transitions. And we'll see if Randall Colomirani remains on the, the right track. Thierry Lorry is still under pressure been excited as well? by watching a Gorkouf team since Kevin Gamero played for Lorient? No, I, I, even, I, I admit that the Gorkouf aura thing a little bit passes me a little bit by. He, they, they were good to watch that Lorient side. Yeah, but, they were, Lorient yeah. were. But he is living off That's that a little bit. That's about a decade bit. ago, though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he coached his son well, though. He and do, nice did he, how did he go with Algeria? That uh, was, uh, just a couple of years anyway, and, yeah. and came, came back. Mm. Yeah. Okay. David, I, I, I just wonder if Christian Gorkov would find room in his team for Diego Maradona. That's, that, that's what concerns me. It'll be like, are, are you tracking back? Are you pressing? He Dave, played his Dave, son. Let, let's, move, let's move off Christian Gorkov. <laughs> Dave? Yeah, if you've got a choice between Jan Juf and Diego Maradona, easy, easy decision to make, isn't Both it? Both got good left feet. Yeah. Angers mm. uh, against Lorient, where I'm going to go. Look, at the official YouTube videos of Pereira Large and Bowerkin's goals mm, and yeah. tell me that Angers is not the place for entertainment. But, uh, two goals, Dave, but uh, I mean, the goal from Pierre, P- Pereira Large is just superb. It's dream goal. They're doing but, amazingly uh, well. I thought they'd be... They, they are, but last season, season they really struggled as well. And they've got, they've, if anything, they've lost a couple of players and now they're back uh, doing even better. I mean, Pereira Large was there last year. He was meant to be the star coming up from Clermont. It never, never happened. Now he's back in the side, but Angers are just—they're a strange an anomaly. They're, I love watching them, but well, the game against great Rennes, form. It, was, it was a great flick. Fulgini, for the, the is a good player as well, but but yeah, Moulin, Moulin's just—he's he's yeah, just he's got just the in, formula. He knows yeah, how to exactly. motivate and organise his but players. That's, that's a coach. We we should do a coaching special. Why don't we do a coaching special and 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 chat about all these coaches? I'm going to go to Lille because, frankly, the attacking talent. I'm going to go and watch Ben Yedder, Voland. Jelson Martins, Jonathan, 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 Bambarikoni and uh, um, David. and David, David, and the Turks, uh, the Turks uh, Burak Yilmaz, Yusuf Yazicic. Imagine if Christoph, Christoph Galtier plays all five Luis of them. Arrujo. Luis Arrujo. He was Arrujo. very good last night as well. Oh, yeah, he looks I mean, a good player. Yeah. No, no, he's a very good Should player. be a cracking game and we'll probably get a better idea as to which of those two teams could Sofian or Diop. will challenge yeah. uh, Paris Saint-Germain for the title this season. Sofian Jop. Diop, very good young player from the League of Talents. That is it, oh, from Le Bourgeois, the official uh, podcast from the League of Talents, brought to you in association with BT Sport from Robbie Thompson, Arnold Tanky, David Cross, and me, Matt Spirit. It's time to say au revoir. Yeah, hey, bientôt. Lovely finish. Must be the opening goal. Benedetto. And Vignon. Fantastic. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. And Dolberg. Oh, Benedetto. Beautifully done. Sensational!